talking about. Film's the greatest educational medium the world has ever known. Hi guys, and welcome back to Teenage Golden Age, a podcast where we talk about old Hollywood movies from the perspective of the next generation. When people think of old Hollywood and the films produced in that era, they usually associate it with the films that are most notable today. You know, like Citizen Kane, It's a Wonderful Life, Rebel Without a Cause, Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz, and so forth. I know that was a lot of names. And today, we are going to take a deep dive into these films and analyze them to discover if they are all that. These films are so raved about and known as the best classic films, but are they really better than all the other old films? Before we start, please make sure to rate and review us if you enjoy your podcast because it helps grow our audience and help more people hear about old movies. Also, make sure to follow our Instagram and TikTok where we post movie clips, podcast clips, reminders about when new episodes come out, and more. I always wonder if these films are actually the greatest old films or are they the only films that people watch from the golden age of Hollywood? I think a lot of people think these films are the best because they have not experienced all of the other incredible old films. Let's discuss The Wizard of Oz from 1939, Casablanca from 1942, and A Citizen Kane from 1941. The Wizard of Oz in 1939. When a tornado rips through Kansas, Dorothy, played by Judy Garland, and her dog Toto are whisked away in their house to a magical land of Oz. They follow the yellow brick road, road towards the Emerald City to meet the wizard, and en route they meet a scarecrow that needs a brain, a tin man missing a heart, and a cowardly lion who wants courage. The wizard asks the group to bring him the broom of the Wicked Witch of the West to earn his help. As for you, my fine lady, it's true, I can't attend you here and now as I'd like, but just try to stay out of my way. Just try. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. You could say that The Wizard of Oz was actually my first old film because I probably watched it at age four. I would say if people know one old film, it is The Wizard of Oz, and I think that this film actually deserves its title. I really like how this film has incorporated both black and white and color to the story because I think it contributes to the storyline and developing the character Dorothy. When the movie begins, the film is in this very old style of black and white where it has a yellow slash orange tint to it. And and also kind of there's a western tone to it with the like clothing and barns and that kind of gives like an old worn down vibe we meet dorothy when she is walking on this ordinary road with her dog and i think this foreshadows the magical yellow brick road that she is going to follow and just the contrast of the colorless road with this bright yellow road is really interesting and there's a lot of juxtaposition in this film i think dorothy is one of the greatest characters created in film history because she's extremely relatable and we feel her alienation when she sings the most notorious song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. She has aspirations and hopes that one day she will be in a happier place and we the audience can relate to that hope for a better future. By the way, her singing in Over the Rainbow is the most beautiful performance of all time and her voice is so special and the tone of hope that Judy Garland sings the song with is so emotional to watch. I literally get tingly and just nostalgic every time I hear her sing the song and 
I, I just, uh, I love listening to it again. Now it's like stuck in my head. And when the storm arrives to take Dorothy into her new fantasy, the cinematography is really cool when there is a close-up shot of her face while we see the layers of the layers in the film to create kind of this dizziness. And I also like how they layer the shots of the house spiraling on top of the close-up shot of her face and just the way the camera spins around the house gives us a feeling of uneasiness and dizziness like we are engulfed in the storm with Dorothy. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. One of my favorite parts of this film is when she opens the door and this beautiful magical world fills with color opens up. The door is opening up to her dreams and the color in The Wizard of Oz is a motif for how Dorothy feels mentally now that she has escaped her depressing home. The vibrant technicolor brings so much more happiness to the shots and I love how this film juxtaposes color with colorless shots because it just makes the kind of really like visually shows the change you know and the one thing I really hate in this film is how fake the set is for the Oz world you can definitely tell that they just painted the backdrops and this set just looks extremely extremely fake but maybe they did that intentionally I'm not sure the first song that Dorothy sings in the Oz is way more celebratory and happy versus the sad hopeful song that she sings in Kansas Dorothy's journey to the Emerald City is very symbolic in many ways. When Dorothy meets the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion, they are all the first people who are like her and who feel alienated in their societies and really understand her struggle and loss of identity. They are all yearning for change and a new life, and that's what bonds them. They all hope for a better future, and I think this film really illustrates that we often see the elements we lack in our present and look for the future and hope for better. And that is what Dorothy and all these other characters are doing by wanting to see the Wizard of Oz. And additionally, the yellow brick road represents the long time we dream of the future, only to see that the future isn't so bright. Some people also believe that the yellow brick road represents gold and the Emerald City as dollar bills, with kind of the motto being that money can solve problems. Also, this film teaches that you should not judge people by the outside and their physical appearances. The lion, for example, may look scary, but he's actually scared himself. The last lesson that The Wizard of Oz teaches is that your aspirations and goals might not seem as incredible as you perceive them as. Dorothy hates her home in Kansas until she's away from it and actually misses it. Overall, though, this film, even though it looks very simple and child ish has way more meaning than meets the eye and i just think this film is not only a classic because it has a lot of moral lessons but it's just a classic story about witches a girl trying to find her home dreams and hope oh, but anyway toto we're home home and this is my room and you're all here and i'm not going to leave here ever ever again because i love you all Though, I just want to mention this, though amongst the greatness of this film, there is a really sad dark side to it. The director of this film ashamed of duty about her weight, which is absolutely ridiculous to say to a 16-year-old or really anyone. And he encouraged her to take addictive pills, which it was, you know, really detrimental to the rest of her life and she became addicted. And the director of the film also forced injured actors to keep going instead of resting and a bunch of the costumes harmed the actors. Like for example, the Tin Man's makeup consisted of aluminum powder, which the actor was extremely allergic to, causing him a lot of pain and weeks in the hospital. That's one thing that it's like, you know, should we take this account 
into account for seeing if this is the one of the best old films of all time because you know the history behind it it's not the best you know so i'm not sure yeah Citizen Kane, 1941. When a reporter is assigned to decipher newspaper magnate Charles Foster Kane's let dying words, his investigation gradually reveals the fascinating portrait of a complex man who rose from obscurity to staggering heights. Through Kane's friends and colleagues and his mistress, they all shed fragments of light on Kane's life, and the reporter fears he may never penetrate the mystery of the elusive man's final words, Rosebud. Rosebud. When I was first anticipating to watch this film, my expectations were high because the one film everyone had countlessly told me to watch was Citizen Kane. I even savored it and waited for the perfect moment for me to sit down and watch the greatest film of all time, so they say. When I ended up watching the film, it really let me down, and I actually really, really, really dislike Citizen Kane for so many reasons. The movie runs for two hours, but it just feels like a never-ending story about the life of Citizen Kane, and the plot is so slow and ununique. It is very repetitive in the sense that the newspaper men go to one person after the other to interview them about Citizen Kane and to find out what his last words were. And I don't understand when people say it's the greatest film of all time and it has won the sight and sound poll and always seems to be up there on the list of the greatest films of all time. Why is this film so much better than other films of that genre and time period? And I feel like a film that is thought as to be the greatest film of all time. I think it needs to have creativeness and, you know, it has to be interesting. And I think, you know, this film does have, you know, the in technological innovation is incredible, but I just, the film needs to be interesting and grasping and I want to be attached to this film and kind of leave when, and when I finish watching the film, I want to be able to, you know, leave, something leave with something after watching the film and learning stuff and I think that you know this film doesn't give me that kind of a spoiler alert but the ending is super unsatisfying and it does not leave me with closure and a feeling that I gained something from watching the film it was even a failure at the box office which is definitely stuff definitely says something um so yeah i'm definitely curious to learn more about um the failure at the box office and how it kind of then started to become one of the greatest films like people started to notice it and recognize it as one of the greatest films of all time even though it was a box box office failure i am speaking of charles foster kane the fighting liberal the friend of the working man the next governor of this state now what this film does have is it's just super super innovative this film was really innovative in the way they achieved the highest degree of cinematic realism for that time period using deep space composition lighting deep focus cinematography and long takes the incorporation of sound in this film is really great as it uses overlapping sound which really helps the transitions from shot to shot and bernard herman's music score was ahead of its time a fun fact about this film is it was much louder than movies of that time period which kind of adds to how stylistically innovative this film is however you could say that there are so many other films that were also innovative stylistically and in other ways of in that time so i wouldn't say that this film is the only contributor to the innovation of film so there's so many other films that really contributed to that so i wouldn't credit this one as the only film
In World War II Casablanca, Rick exiled American and former freedom fighter runs the most popular night, night spot in town. The cynical lone wolf Rick comes into the possession of two valuable letters of transit. When Nazi Major Strasser arrives in Casablanca, the psychophonetic police captain Renault, I don't know if that I pronounced that correct, does what he can do to please him, including detail detaining a Slovakia underground leader, Victor Laszlo. Much to Rick's surprise, Laszlo arrives with Ilsa, Rick's one-time lover. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right. Rick is very bitter towards Ilsa, who ran out on him in Paris. But when he learns she has a good reason to, they plan to run off together, again using the letters of transit. Well, that was their original plan. Why did you have to come to Casablanca? There are other places. I wouldn't have come if I'd known that you were here. Believe me, Rick, it's true. I didn't know. It's funny about your voice, how it hasn't changed. I can still hear it. Richard, dear, I'll go with you any place. We'll get on a train together and never stop. With Casablanca, I am half and half of it. This film is a classic because it is a snippet of the most destructive war in history, World War II, and I think it gives a dif different perspective on the war and more about resistance, the effects of the war in Casablanca, and the emotional turmoil as a result of the war. This film is really a combination of romance and kind of this is such a beautiful film and you see kind of the juxtaposition of hate with love i love how in the beginning we see the two sides of casablanca and it illustrates the poor more native side of the city and then the rich europeans that came there to escape the war but when the camera pens to rick's american cafe we see all the classes and ethnicities join together to talk drink and have a good time however when the camera starts to reveal the hidden conversations Amongst each table, we see people frantic and unhappy selling everything they have to get a ticket out of Casablanca. The main two protagonists, Rick and Ilsa, are very relatable and lovable characters, and I think that's what really makes us fall in love with the film. Rick, who is this very lonely guy and very emotionally blocked, isn't able to really open up to anyone because in the past when he did with Ilsa, it didn't go so well. He says that he doesn't stick his neck out for anything or anyone and has a very deadpan face throughout the whole film and is always like kind of unfazed by people's actions. Ilsa, on the other hand, I think has a lot of love inside of her and wants to let out this love that she's been carrying. But she's also very similar to Rick by the way that she's also very heartbroken and we can see this dark darkness on Ingrid Bergman's face as she listens to Sam play as time goes by, a song that she once listened to when she was in love with Rick. The song has a lot of meaning in the story and I think it resembles this free simple life before the war and this song is the only thing that kind of marks the time they spent together. We in our lives feel nostalgic when we see an old object or smell or eat something that is from the past and we can kind of relate to their like nostalgic nostalgia around this song and it's just I love the song it's such a beautiful song um, and um, the Sam the piano player is I love his character and He's just, I, I just, I think he adds so much to the film. Lastly, when some of the German officers come into Casablanca, you kind of see this clash of nationalism and the role nationalism played in the war. One particular scene that shows this is when the Germans start singing their national anthem in 
um, Rick's Cafe, and then over it, the French start singing their national anthem, and it's just this battle of who can be louder and superior. Okay, now let's talk about why I think this film doesn't fully deserve this title of the greatest films of all time, and I think this film is kind of slow, you know, and, and there isn't that much to draw you in, and I don't think this deserves to be known as the best film noir because i think you know i there's so many other film noirs that i like way better than casablanca no offense because i don't know i just think this story i mean you know it's a dramatic love story and but it's just not there's not as much drama and thriller as some other noirs and that's what a noir is supposed to be you know double indemnity and rebecca are some of my favorites and you can never go wrong with those i definitely think those should be known more i mean double indemnity is known it's pretty known but i think it's not as known as casablanca additionally the age difference between ingrid berman and humphrey bogart are is really big and it just kind of makes it a little hard much little harder to kind of believe that they were together in the film and to make the love story really believable, you know? Oh, I want those letters. Get them for me. I don't have to. I got them right here. Put them on the table. No. For the last time, put them on the table. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode about the most notable classic films and are they all they seem. You guys can watch The Wizard of Oz and Casablanca for free on Internet Archive and you can watch Citizen Kane on any streaming platform like Prime Video, iTunes, and YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok to get notified when new episodes come out. And if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, feel free to email us at teenagegoldenage at gmail.com. That's teenagegoldenage at gmail.com. See you guys in our next episode. Bye!